to the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. It is the middle of the week. Nebraska set to take on Northwestern this Saturday at Ryan Field. The Huskers home away from home. Brunson's favorite turf management program. I don't know if BC has any real strong thoughts on Northwestern. I don't. I don't know them yet. I know with Brunson every time the turf's coming up. Oh yeah, I've I've always been a big talker about the grass at Northwestern. Oh, so but you're Br- you're a grass guy too. Oh huh? yeah, Br- Brunson got the week started with uh, with a bang though. He had the tweet on Monday that kind of got everybody going on the grass yeah, where he I had mean, Tiger Woods chipping out of like British Open rough. There's two things you <laughs> gotta know. I think it was Sergio up to the shoulders. Yeah. Oh, okay. there, there's two things you gotta know. There's Purdue Pete which I think at this point everybody is kind of associated with Brunts now. And then there's the grass at, uh, at Ryan Field. I, I would like to point out that I, I thought I was pretty restrained during Purdue week. Um, oh yeah. Well, compared to the trips out to West Lafayette, yeah, where you're asking to go visit his house, meet the rest of his family, <laughs> I thought that was a little over the top. Does he have a family? Like I assume so. <laughs> you think anybody would get close to that for long enough to be familial? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, I, the the Purdue Pete thing is kind of a joke. The the Ryan Field turf, like if you ever get down there, like it's probably like a foot deep like it's it's like sunday at the u.s open after after like a week of rain like that thick and you're he's not talking about the tennis u.s open folks no. this is the golf one yes whether it's shinnecock or wherever else they play and it's it's deep enough that it's i i don't want to say that northwestern does it on purpose but it feels like northwestern does it on purpose to negate other big 10 team speed yeah yeah. Because they don't have any speed, is that like the play yeah. here? Because wouldn't wouldn't that just make them slower? They, they muddy it up. There's when Nebraska's not playing there, they have tarps on some of the on some of the seats. They had like potted plants a few years ago to cover up some of the empty. Does sections. the whole thing make you feel like you're in the uh, O.co? A little bit. It feels familiar. <laughs> Bad turf, tarps everywhere. Just assumptions that the sewer pipes are potentially they're, backing up. They're backing up somewhere. Like the locker room, the visiting locker room is just kind of like basically on the concourse. The the post game media room is like somebody's office. <laughs> um, it's like the ticket office, I think. So it, it's it's an experience. It's one of my favorite trips in the Big Ten, but it's an experience. I don't. Yeah. So let's let's get into that because I guess this is apparently a controversial take. I think this is like the worst place to go visit for for a nebraska fan i get the the chicago thing is like that's great but everything else about evanston like evanston is just crap they have two bars in their town it used to be a dry county so i mean if, if you're going there to go get libations before the game go early and find one of the two places that you can actually go to the stadium is kind of crap like there's there's just not you know they have their beautiful facility that sits off of the lake, and then they have Ryan Field. Like, I, there's just nothing about Evanston that is like a draw to me if you're going to spend time in Evanston. I get that you get the Chicago experience, and you guys have been to other Big Ten places that I haven't yet, but of everywhere I've been in the Big Ten, it's the worst. I I love Ryan Field. I, I, I have a soft spot as well. I don't get this at all. I mean, all you got to do 
who cares if Evanston sucks? I don't even really know because I'm like most people. Well, yeah, I, think, I mean, you guys haven't ever gone. Well, in you the just sense pop of, in and pop out. You know, it's right. the old pop in, like they say in Seinfeld. Yeah, I'm a pop in guy. You take the train in. Um, yeah, you just get on that train in, train out, train in, train out. There's that train, a rick, rickety track that goes right like a mile from the stadium. Yeah. You see a bunch of Husker fans stumble out of there already a little intoxicated, and then they just drink some more in like the tailgate area. It reminds me a little bit of Nebraska Kansas football, like the the tailgating setting outside where Northwestern fans only care so much about their football program. Let's be honest, and uh, Kansas fans were the same way with football. Like when Nebraska fans showed up, it's just like a friendly little hey let's drink together i'd submit that kansas break, would break. be a better road trip than what evans does. well i like kansas too but uh i see you have a soft spot for the sad sacks well i i like this the stadium is is small enough that like if you're a fan just used to watching nebraska play in these giant stadiums and you're up in the 65th row it's kind of cool because you can get down in like the 18th row and watch a big time college football game really close like i think it'd be fun to be a northwestern season ticket holder because you could watch like decent college football like in the 10th row all year yeah well and it's you, you've never you have, have you covered a game there you've never covered a game so there you, i've been there you can see in the press box you can see like lake michigan off yeah. in the distance the fall trees i kind of like the neighborhood that it sits in like i i understand the bar thing like it is what it is i mean i i, I just enjoy that a lot more than say like Rolling into with apologies to Central Illinois, rolling into Champagne. Oh, that's a good point. Um, so the state of Illinois has the two worst places, to me, in the Big Ten. I'd say East Lansing's down there too. I'm not. Yeah. I was not a fan of East Lansing. You got to stay away from the the janitor bucket. Yeah, I'll tell you that. The crunchies. You don't want to mm-hmm. get in the janitor bucket. Yeah. Okay. But. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you went to West Lafayette. I mean, what do you think yeah. of it? I, I like West Lafayette. As a, uh, you know, you go in there, and if you're there on Friday, you're hitting one of their four bars. But, like, the there's an actual student population there, unlike at Northwestern, where the students don't exist. And so well, they're, creates... they're too busy becoming future leaders of America. They don't oh, have time for football or the, the rabble greatest, rousing. The greatest journalist in America, too, as, yes. as we hear often. Just ask them. <laughs> but there, there's no student presence with the the Northwestern experience at all. Whereas West Lafayette, Bloomington, I think Bloomington's really nice. Actually, I like Bloomington quite a bit. I mean, those are uh, are far better to me if you're going as a visiting fan. But I I, I totally understand if you're going to go hang out in Chicago. But the actual college town aspect of it for Evanston is just crap. But Chicago's Chicago's university. That's what they say. Yeah. Illinois thinks the same thing. You think Lovey's just going to give up that easy? Uh, that beard would suggest otherwise. He used otherwise. to be the toast of the town in Chicago. Now he has a beard and nobody knows who he is. Yeah. I I got nothing more to add. I defend I defended uh, yeah. Northwestern as, so, as well as so I can. So you would say East Lansing is the – or Champaign? Champaign's probably near the bottom. But East, East Lansing for a successful program in the Big Ten is not a place I enjoy visiting. Um, Were you guys, did you guys enjoy Rutgers when you went out there a few years ago? Uh, surprisingly, I've heard that it's better than what their their campus is pretty nice. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that trip. Yeah, a lot. So, but if if we went to worst place as a media person, it's Penn State. 
like 14 out of 14, right? Probably yeah. so, yeah. yeah. The food, because Nebraska the plays really there good. in November. Yeah. It's cold. It's impossible to get there. Yeah. You usually have to land in a city about an hour to an hour and a half away. It's a basically a one-lane drive on into the stadium. Probably snowing. Yeah. Uh, it's it's weird. I'll just leave it. it there's like It's a, like a weird vibe. <laughs> I, but that's a fair way to put it. It's like trying to get to Narnia, and then you get in, <laughs> and then you get there, and there's Going a, through the wardrobe. There's like one bathroom on the press level, right? Yeah. That basically, it's a one toilet bathroom, and so don't drink any coffee that morning. And they have then like a kind of this is a positive. They have like a church potluck, <laughs> don't they? Like where yeah. they 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 serve like some some folks make some hot dishes, you know some green bean casserole and stuff like that and they put it out and it's not bad so i'll give them that but it feels like you're in 1958 and, and you're getting two meals no matter what like nebraska played there last year i think we got breakfast and dinner is that yeah that was, wow that for was a 230 game yeah i think bronze a lot agree. of food for one bathroom <laughs> that was the worst husker game fire. we've uh that was the worst Husker game I've ever went to on the road. That was a game where you're like, Nebraska has no chance to win this game against Saquon Barkley, and why Why are we here? You know, you're really questioning your your profession almost at that point. <laughs> well, we're keeping it on uh, on media settings. I wasn't particularly impressed by Camp Randall on Saturday. I was. I, I thought the student section, that whole thing was interesting, fun to watch. You, you said that Jump Around lived up to the – yeah. The hype. Well, I mean, like the shaking of the press box is a pretty cool thing. I haven't ever experienced that before. I've never been to Kyle Field, so I uh, I I don't know the Texas A and M aspect of it, but I know for me, like that was pretty neat watching that happen. And overall, BC pointing out the day before that they were going to bring in the students like single row to fill their student section was incredibly dumb and kind of mesmerizing to watch mm. yeah there's no students like in the seats when the game begins yeah and i and uh talking uh with with people who went to school there it's uh it's a deal where there's a lot of student housing like right across the street and so basically kids are just drinking and they're like oh it's yeah, the game started i guess so that that's part of the reason but yeah well, do we want to talk about what happened in that game now that we're, what, 12 minutes in? Yeah, we should. So, Nebraska played. Nebraska lost, as you might tell, from their 0-5 record. But they didn't lose as bad as what might have been expected going into that game. I predicted 45-14. They lost 41-24. to And... Honestly, I mean, I thought the offense looked pretty good at times. They got in their own way a lot. I mean, they they still have no shortage of things to correct. But I thought it was good to go see Adrian Martinez go play on the road, the offense to look like it could do some things, especially coming off of that game in Ann Arbor. To me, just being able to go out there and play at Camp Randall, and, and it wasn't a complete, you know, game over by halftime. Nebraska was down 20 to 3. There were some decisions that led to to Wisconsin stretching that out in the first half. But when JD Spielman scored that touchdown, were either of you guys thinking, "Okay, well, if they can get a stop, I'd be really curious to see what happens next." Now, Nebraska didn't get a stop, 
and they generally won't. Narrator, Nebraska didn't get <laughs> they a did stop. Not. Uh, <laughs> but it, you know, there was a part of me that was like, "Oh wow, they're they're not going to go away," and they didn't. And I was impressed by that. They competed, uh, but again, it's it's that thing where play is there to be made right in front of you. Uh, Carlos Davis had it in this case. It's a sack on Alex Hornibrook, not to be confused with Michael Vick. And somehow Hornibrook sidesteps and throws for a first down. They score a touchdown to play later. Yes, that would have been interesting. I also think, you know, when it was 13-3, to where I felt like the game was, okay, Wisconsin's got a grip on this thing, was that drive where Nebraska basically would have had the ball on the 15-yard line on the Spielman catch but you call a block in the back on Gerald Foster. I don't know if he touched him or not, but the bottom line is they got back-to-back penalties. I didn't like the 4th and 11, I'll be honest. I would have punted it just because, and I know the punting game has stunk, but I think if you could have nailed them down at about the 10, Wisconsin maybe gets a little conservative there at the end of the half. Um, and if you can halfway stop the run, maybe Paul Chris takes it to the locker room 13-3. to Instead, they feel pretty emboldened at the 36, and it's 20-3. to And you felt, like, after the 4th and 11, it all felt very predictable to me. Like, I was like, okay, Wisconsin's going to score now. Yeah. No, it it really did kind of feel like that play was their last stand, and it's, like, it shouldn't, you know? Like, you miss that, and, and then everything just kind of. They converted that third down twice. I know. Like, that's what's remarkable to me. Yeah. Is that you had that, that play that he talked about with Gerald Foster, and then he came back and Adrian Martinez completed another 20-some-yard pass. They got wiped out again. Uh, anyways, continue. I just – it was there. Like, they, they were right in that game until they weren't. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and that's, I guess, where this defense is. is I mean, they're, they're beat up. They are thin and inside linebacker. The secondary, I think, is still not where they need to be. I mean, it – I don't know right now that you can really count on that group, especially later in the game, to go out and, and get you a stop. I mean, that they, you really felt like as much as they kind of, you know, got the ball moved on them on that first drive by Wisconsin, they kick a field goal there after seven and a half minutes. I mean, you felt like, you know, they, they were doing pretty well, but the, the bottom was going to fall out. I mean, that that's just kind of where I think that group is right now is, you know, if they're not getting you into third and long, there's not really going to be much of a hope to get a stop there. Did you guys know that Jonathan Taylor, who went over, what, 220 yards against Nebraska mm-hmm. on Saturday, mm-hmm. he finished with the lowest or the second lowest pro football focus rating of the top players in the Big Ten, like they, they made their whole offensive unit? Maurice Washington had a higher game score than a guy who ran for two hundred. Well, like I don't really, I don't understand because I, you know, I think Jonathan Taylor is the best running back Nebraska will have played over the last two seasons. Yeah, I don't understand that either. I will say we, I mentioned it kind of jokingly in the press box, but it felt this way. It felt like Nebraska actually did okay on him for most of the game, and this. This is like almost a commentary on like how like shell shock like that 
that feeling you get about Nebraska's defense going against Wisconsin running backs. It's like, well, he didn't run for 400 yards. So, <laughs> Kept um, it under 350 there, so, You know, well, that was pretty encouraging. I wonder if pro football focus downgraded him for not They're like, why didn't he get to 350? I mean, he did have, what, the 88-yard run on one play, which which really, you know, bolstered his stats, but it counts. Should Nebraska be mad at Paul Chris for swearing at him? <laughs> He was asked about it, said that that game had no extra significance compared to others, but <laughs> I'm shocked that the coach said coach yeah. speak on yeah. on the Tuesday teleconference. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that that came up that way. Uh, I felt like a little, you know, him and Mike Riley were friends, and I I think he probably has paid attention to some of the commentary out of Lincoln, and he probably wanted a little, a little extra juice, a little pop back, and that's what Maybe? he got. Maybe he was just trying to take Frost at his word, and he was just going to get him now, you know? Yeah. He was really going to get him now. He wasn't just going <laughs> to get him a little bit. He was going for the whole enchilada. Yeah. I like that there's other What if people- he would have said that on Tuesday? He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to stick it to him. I would have lost it. I probably would have had more respect for Paul Chris than I've ever had, which isn't a ton. But... Instead, maybe he, said he that just had enough extra. of you making fun of his Walgreens hat. Well, buy a different hat, you know. I mean, no, he's just going to score cut, score touchdowns on you in that dorky hat. Badgers, <laughs> it's a great hat. Uh, so let's kick this forward. Unless there's something else you want to talk about from that game, I mean, we can get into the special teams, we can get into Maurice Washington, but we can talk about all of that as we get into Northwestern as well. Unless there's, is there anything specific you would like to either of you? Looks like a no. No, I'm good. No, uh, yeah, I'm also done talking about that game. It's on the Northwestern. Moving on. Moved on. Nebraska has Northwestern this weekend. Northwestern, to me, looks like an incredibly one-dimensional team, which is bodes well for Nebraska's defense. If they can take away what little run game is there, they can force Northwestern into passing. Could look a lot like the Colorado game. Am I just being overly optimistic and unrealistic about where Nebraska's defense is at at this point? My my one question about that is, does Nebraska's defense allow Northwestern to all of a sudden run the ball? I don't think so because they – I mean, they two teams that have killed them running the ball, I guess three, Purdue ran it pretty well. Two of those three are known for running the ball well. So it's like they went up against teams that are generally playing in that style. But Colorado, who hasn't run the ball that well. Troy, who is only okay at running the ball. I mean, they, they shut those guys down. And I don't think it, it was because of Mick Stoltenberg alone that they were able to do that. This will be discouraging for Nebraska if, if they get dented by this running attack. Averaging 77 a game. Jeremy Larkin had an illness, and he's retired from football. He had 346 yards through the what the first three weeks. Their next leading rusher, 57 yards to his name on 25 attempts. That's an average of 2.3 a carry. And if you extrapolate that over three plays, that's a punt right there for Nebraska. They'll be excited about that. Look at that. Brunson's impressed by the math. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Look at you. I know. Look you at learned you. some things. Look at you, mathing. You're you're under three point three four a carry. It's pretty good. Stats department's over here. That does yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's on to something. Look at the big brains on Mike. Yeah. 
So I, I think that the, the defense can have a, a good week. And, and one of the reasons why is I think they can get after Clayton Thorson a little bit, and they don't necessarily have to commit to, to blitzing to do it. Can Nebraska stop Flynn Nagel? Well, can they? I don't know. That that's one. That he feels like one of those Northwestern players that's going to have like 15 catches in this game. So he feels like Austin Carr is what you're saying. Yes. And so a slot wide receiver that shows up in big moments that's inexplicably open all the time. That's the one against a very uh, up and down Nebraska secondary. It's almost like you've seen this movie before. I have. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Perhaps I mean, too. I'll be curious if they have any sort of um, set strategy as to how you want to cover him. And I haven't followed Northwestern a ton, but I assume this is a guy that plays inside and not as an outside wide receiver. Yeah, 10 catches against Michigan State. Which, with that being the case, and what Nebraska has done in recent weeks, don't love the idea of the linebacking core covering him, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Yeah, that's hopefully that doesn't happen again. But uh, 36 catches, 402 yards, no touchdowns, but uh, had 10 catches against Michigan State, six for 65 against Michigan, 12 for 133 against Duke. I think that's probably the uh, where, where Nebraska needs to focus a lot of its attention. You never know what Clayton Thorson you're going to get. Like some weeks, I watch him. And I'm like, oh, man, that's not bad. You know, he'll have some throws where it's pretty darn good. And then there's games like last year in Lincoln where, if we're honest, Clayton Thorson, like, tried to keep Nebraska in that game, if people remember it. He was throwing it right to Huskers. He had one really good throw, and it came on third and 17 against Nebraska's walk-on cornerback at that time. Yeah. And that was his best throw of the day, and it came when they needed it the most. His uh, TD INT ratio is six to five right now. Yeah, so I'm not, not. Yeah, I'm not impressed by Clayton Thorson. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that he alone can just beat Nebraska with a 400 yard day. I just I don't see that happening. But the thing that could, and this 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 will decide the game. I mean penalties, and Northwestern is six in the, this stat's amazing. They have 171 yards of penalties all year. Nebraska has 487. That's almost like four times as many. Uh, you can do the math. <laughs> would appreciate it if you would. Because <laughs> I don't want to. But It's not quite four. So six, no, it's not. Six in the country against 125th in the country in penalty yardage is what we got. <laughs> Slight difference. But... If you're a Nebraska fan, it's another great example of how the Huskers are just out yardaging their opponents. Yeah, well, that it's also it's explaining why you're 47th in total offense and 114th in scoring offense, pretty much. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great example. Um, what is the what's the plus minus of Northwestern turnover wise? Turnovers, you ask. They are uh, they're not great in that stat. They're 93rd nationally. Um, 11th in the Big Ten. They're, they're in the minus category. Well, Nebraska's right in that same area, right? Well, Nebraska's 122nd <laughs> in turnover margin. They're, they're not in the area code, I guess. Here the neighboring s- county. Here are the stats Nebraska's Close. worse than 100. They're 114th in scoring offense, 109th in rushing defense, 105th in total defense, 120th in scoring defense, 122nd in third down offense. 103rd in red zone defense, 108th in net punting, 126th in punt returns, 125th in penalty. Okay, I think people are turning it (laughs) up. Almost penalty yards, 122nd in turnover margin. 
That's it. I would like to point out that one person on this podcast wondered if the defense wouldn't be that much improved. They're improved. You said they would be worse. Don't change what you said. You said they would be worse. I said that there was a a chance. You said they would be worse. They haven't been good. I will apologize if we get to the end of the year, (laughs) and that's the case. We still have matchups against Northwestern, Illinois, Bethune-Cookman to – Someone off podcast was talking about pretty Illinois pretty high over here. <laughs> and now he's trying to throw him under the bus. I said if he plays, I think A.J. Bush could have a decent day against Nebraska, which would be hard to, hard to stomach for Nebraska fans. Yes. I, I'm well aware that that big matzo ball is out there, and I'm willing to, uh, to apologize when we get to it, but the story has not been written. All right. Well – now that <laughs> BC depressed everybody who is still listening to a podcast of a team that's 0-5 taking on a team that's 2-3, and three, where well, do we go can, from you here? You can only go up from that, so well, there's there you positivity. Uh, you, here, here's where you go from it. This, this is a stretch in the schedule. Even before we there, this season started, we didn't know Bethune-Cookman was going to be sitting there, but you thought, okay, they need to make this a nice little October. And there is an opportunity, and I, I do think, and I believe it, that over there for a team that's 0-5, I don't think it's like negativeville. Like, I don't get that sense, do you? I mean, I, I, think, I think guys are like, okay, some guys have left the program, fine. This is who we are at this point. Everybody that's here is staying here. Let's figure this out. And I do think there's some truth to what Scott Frost is saying about that. And if you can figure it out Saturday at a place where, which will be half Nebraska fans, it can be one of those kind of feel-good moments of the, Scott, the beginning of the Scott Frost era. You know, that's the first win, and they'll be, you know, they're going to be excited with the fans after the game. And, and then you've got Minnesota's the winnable game in Bethune-Cookman, and suddenly you get a little streak going and people are like, okay, some things are starting to work out a little bit, even so, though it's maybe just a result of the competition getting worse. What I'm hearing from you is that you expect that they're going to move out of the hundreds maybe in some of these categories if they, they put this together a little bit? Well, they should. That's that's the positive part. Like By the end of October, we can revisit those same numbers. I should circle them all and go back to them and where they are in three weeks, and that'd be interesting. Let's do this. What do you like about this team right now as they go into this stretch of play uh i think brunts loves the defense yes i love it that was a long pause it was like when ted kennedy was asked why he wants to be president in 1980 and he had a long pause that's a interesting (laughs) political cultural reference reference. (laughs) i i like guys on offense that i feel like are going to keep them in games. I mean, I think Adrian Martinez's development, you have to like where he's at now. Um, Cause I, I think he is going to create headaches the rest of the year for, for op- opponents. I think the fact that JD Spielman's playing better, I think Maurice Washington's going to have a bigger role. I think there's a lot to like about this team offensively right now. Um, I feel like they're turning over a lot of stones on special teams to try to figure out what the heck they can do there. I don't know if that magically gets fixed, but it at least signals to me that they're not, you know, comfortable with status quo there, which in the past I felt like Nebraska was kind of like, well, we're not really good on special teams. 
we're just going to keep wetting six, six guys run down at our punt returners unblocked. Um, so I, I think that's a positive. Uh, defense, I, I don't know if there's a quick fix there. I hope. No, no, you didn't. You, you don't have to. It's just like what, what do you oh, like? You, you don't want me to go through everything. No, you didn't have to go okay. through everything. Th- those are the two things I, I like. To save you from yourself Thanks. there a little Appreciate bit. You're, you're welcome. Still time. <laughs> uh, Brian, what do you – Anything different than what? No, Rosa, I mean he, or anything he, to add? he he took the main guys that you you like. I I thought the O line, which I've been critical of, had a better day against Wisconsin. Um, I thought they gave when I look back at the game, they gave Martinez some pretty good time, and so you got to give them credit where where that's due. Um, so maybe they're ready to make a little step forward. Um, the defense, it's hard right now to find that. I, I just don't know what it is that you'd say that's really good. I think to the special teams point, it's been bad. Everybody knows it's been bad. They have been close a couple times to a few things going right. It's kind of been hidden within because bad breaks keep happening. But Cam Taylor's almost blocked a couple punts. And I would not be shocked if he blocks one soon, and this is not a great special teams, I should have made that my bold prediction because that'd be really bold. Well, you sure could with the I, hype cast I, being I could recorded potentially, later. In the <laughs> potentially do that. I hope I don't forget and say something else. But <laughs> here, <bet> do. <laughs> if I do forget, nothing to see here, folks. <laughs> if I do forget, whenever we do that. Um, I'm going to say watch out for that this week, like a block punt or something like that. I, it feels like there's due for something good to happen there. I think – I mean, you guys hit pretty much everything, and, and you're right. There's not a lot when you parse through the defense to individually single out as, as good. I, I am – I'm happy to see the improvements of DiCaprio Boodle, who was a guy that I thought last year was often in position – to make plays but wasn't quite capable of making them at that time. And I think we're seeing progress where he does have those uh, deflections now. And this is kind of like a – people can believe it or, or not. I like that there's still quite a bit of fight in this team. Like I, I think one of you mentioned that they haven't rolled over, that they're 0-5, but it's, it's not like a culture of negativity over there mm. in a way that you know we've seen in the past where they've had – teams that were doing better where it felt a little bit more negative over at the stadium than what it does at the moment and I think you see that with things like Khalil Davis chasing down that guy on the the screenplay and I mean there's just a lot of effort and a lot of uh intensity and for some of these guys yeah I mean you're you're on five but they still have multiple years left in this program there's every game is an opportunity for them to to prove that they're getting better at practice and and to really kind of put things on film that they deserve more opportunities. I think you're seeing more young guys kind of look at it that way and try to, to really kind of put their stamp on it. It's if, interesting. As much as they can. Scott Frost mentioned this kind of offhanded in, in an answer that, that wasn't really asked, I guess. But when he was kind of going through the offense and, you know, the, the guys that are major contributors this year um, and kind of looking into the future, because I, I think – we're not quite there yet, but I think we're close to getting to the point of people really starting to talk about 2019. Probably, I would guess, after Ohio State is when that conversation is really going to start in earnest. But you've got a freshman quarterback. You've got a freshman running back that's going to be a huge piece of what you're doing. You're leading wide receivers as a sophomore. You've got tackles who are both sophomores on offense. 
Um, tight ends a sophomore. Tight ends a sophomore. Uh, th- there's a lot of guys in that that offense who are young, who aren't just going to be back next year, but have two more years in the program after 2018. That I, I think that's going to be interesting to follow as we we go through this year because I you know Nebraska is going to take their lumps this year. They already have, and they're going to take more. But there's more. There's more. Um, but wait. Um, <laughs> wow. But. Th- those types of things, I think you kind of you kind of have to keep that in the back of your mind because th- for the lumps that they're taking this year, that's only going to help those guys, and there's a lot of them in the future as they go forward. Yeah, I I agree entirely. Can those guys really grow? Is I mean, that's the thing with Husker football. Through the last few years, we've had guys that are young players that look like they could really be something. Nick Gates is an example of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like. If when he was a freshman or sophomore, we would have said, "Well, that's going to be something to watch," and it hasn't happened. And you could find multiple examples of that. And so that's that's like these stats need revisiting in three weeks. That needs revisiting in a year and a half. Like where where did that go? You know, and um, where is Jack Stoll, Austin Allen, and Kurt Raftall at that point? Are they dominating guys in the Big Ten, or are they just okay? You know, that's the thing. What you hit on is something that, you know, Muhammad Barry actually said that after the game mm-hmm. on Saturday. And I honestly thought it was one of the better quotes I've heard from from a player sort of assessing where they are to where they want to be. Is he basically said, everybody wants to talk about the future, and that's great, and he's excited about it too. But the future doesn't matter if they're not using every opportunity to get better between now and whenever the future exists. And I'm paraphrasing here, but what he was saying is that you know, if you don't show up and work hard at practice, you're not even going to touch your potential. Then what? What good is your future? You know. So I, I think that is they have that mindset that it's you got to build it slowly over time. That yeah, everybody can see this tantalizing potential in some of these players, but if they're not working to build it, Barry basically said it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, he's really spot on for that. And that's a twenty, twenty-one year old kid making that remark after a game where, you know, he's getting asked about his excitement level of seeing guys like Adrian and, and Maurice and these people in the future, and he, he's got a really good perspective on it. Yep. And if that perspective is being shared amongst the team, then you know they're not sitting back just waiting for the moment where it's all going to click. They're going to go try to make that happen. Just as critical are the guys we're not seeing play now. Like, can you keep guys interested in getting better that aren't playing, like Justin McGriff, Katerian Lugaro? Well, we're getting to the point where Cameron you're going to start Jones. seeing some of those guys. Yeah, Miles Jones-type guys. You know, there's some guys in the secondary that are young we haven't seen a lick of that we were pretty excited Braxton about. Clark, C.J. Smith. Cameron, yeah. I mean, those, Jones has to get healthy. Yeah, he's out. The, but those are the guys you can coaches keep them like dialed in and be like your time is coming it, you you just got to believe in it and make the most of these practices even though you're not playing. Speaking of tantalizing potential, Cameron Jurgens moving over to uh, making the move to center. What do you guys make of that? Multiple like Remington that. winner. Yeah, that like was that. good. That was what's that? Multiple Remington winner. I was shocked. I shouldn't be shocked anymore, but I was surprised that Dave Remington's name was invoked and I. Greg Austin it should be pointed out was one of the best college centers. The award is day. named after him, right? In yeah, fact. like this is a this isn't just like you know saying Dominic Riola, who's a very good player, but right, you know, you're talking about the guy, right? 
so yeah, after I mean, it came out this week that Cameron Jurgens had uh, has made the switch to from tight end to center. Um, one of the highest rated in-state recruits uh, in in recent memory out of Nebraska. And today after practice, Greg Austin says that when Scott Frost came to him to suggest the change, that he said that Frost Frost told him that he had the potential to be a player similar to Dave Remington. And and Austin knew what he was doing when he was relaying the story because he he whispered Dave Remington's name. Mm-hmm. Which which was I I thought was hilarious, but um, you know that that's interesting to me because we've talked on this podcast before about what does Nebraska's offensive line look like next year? You lose Cole Conrad, uh, Tanner Farmer is um, no longer going to be there either. Gerald Foster's gone. Cameron Jurgens is kind of an intriguing piece to that offensive line group. I mean, you got Will Farniok, who, who they like what he's doing, but uh, Jurgens is a, a pretty special player, I think, in terms of what he's able to do at his size athletically. That I, I it's You want a really athletic center. It, it's a move that makes sense. And I'm just, it's a great tagline Yeah, for Scott Frost to use. I mean, he should come to you for that. It's a move that makes sense. And then he just he puts his hand, just does that little yeah. forward across motion, and everybody's like, oh, wow. It Cameron, does make sense. Cameron Jurgens at center. <laughs> yes. You know what? It. it does make sense. VC's hmm. in now. Or he wasn't. But when you said that in the little hand motion. Cameron Jurgens at center. Glad I thought of that. That could work, too. Yeah. This will work. I Don't love, I love it. I love the move because – there is, and it, it feels like it brings some closure to, I mean, the whole Cameron Jurgens thing. Like, what's he gonna be? You know, tight end. Like, I like commit to something, let him grow this these next few months, and I, I'm sure part of what Frost is doing is also building it up in the mind of Cameron Jurgens. Oh yeah, who's like probably liked catching footballs and having the ball in his hands throughout his life, and now he's not going to, you know. Trust me here. You can be special. You've got the the body size and the gifts to do it. You just got to follow this, and it'll it'll work out for you. So I'm and, sure that's part of that. And and to his credit, I mean, Jurgens is a Nebraska guy through and through. I think that he is one of those guys that would do anything to pretty much help the team. So I, I don't know how hard you have to sell him on this, mm-hmm. but uh, I I really do think. I mean, we hear it all the time. You see it. The more athletic your center is, assuming he can get the snap down, generally the better your offensive line is going to look. Because if he can work off of those guys, get to the second level, if you can pull with him. I mean, the best center that Nebraska's had in recent years was Justin Jackson. And a large part of that was because of what he could do in the pulling Mm -hmm. and getting out and getting to that second and third level. I mean, they just haven't had good center play uh, in recent years. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. And I just think that's one of those things that I've wanted to talk to Greg Austin about. I haven't really had the chance, but I don't I've never understood what it is that makes some guys better at center than others other than just you have to have very quick feet and I think you have to be pretty cerebral. He he said today and kind of asked him about this. He said he's a natural snapper and asked more about that and basically what he said is for a lot of guys it's mechanical for how you snap and step. And with Jurgens, that's much more of a, a natural movement. Said that, 
he even said, you know, a guy like Tanner Farmer, you know, it, it is a little bit more mechanical. You have to think about it a little bit more. Where with Jurgens, he's got a really quick first step. He's explosive, and, and that's what they really like about him is that, you know, if you can be good at that and get the snap where it needs to be, I mean, that that's huge in this offense, which is so reliant on timing. But um, they, you know, just love the potential there. He was he'd been working at tight end and offensive line for about a week and I guess he hurt his foot and was on crutches with a pretty big boot today so uh, probably not going to be back for a while but you know I think they're really pretty excited about his potential at that move and and offensive line makes so much more sense to me with Juergens than anything on defense I know a lot of people are saying that maybe as an outside linebacker or something like that and I he's got so much power and I, I don't know that the lateral quickness was there. Fluidity to be a wasn't there, yeah. So, you know, I, I think this is a good home for him. And the corresponding move to this is Justin McGriff going yeah. from wide receiver to tight end, and I don't think that should get lost in this either uh, because that's a guy that Becton really liked him. Um, and that was, a, I mean, that was a Becton recruit. They wanted to bring him to Nebraska because they thought that he could play in the Big Ten. They wanted to see what he could do as a wide receiver because of their numbers. But even in the spring when I talked with Becton about McGriff, you could tell that he was kind of hedging that he felt like ultimately he could be in the tight end room and could really help out as a, as a receiver and a route runner. And you put him and Legrone behind those other guys, we haven't seen a ton out of the tight ends, but I, I just think that room is better off. You add McGriff, they're going to get Hickman. You've got a pretty deep group of, of athletes that, you know, you get them through Duvall's system, you let this offense settle in a little bit. Those tight ends, I I know we say it every year, but I, I really think that they're going to be a weapon when this thing rolls. Yeah, Becton likes likes his group. He likes his top three guys a lot. I mean, he really thinks Jack Stoll, Allen, and Raft Stoll had a hell of a catch in are, the yeah, Wisconsin game, by the way. Are a nice combination. And here's the fun part for him. He's working with guys for three to four years now. I mean, his, his nucleus is set. And, and so th- they should be able to build a family and a way of doing things the right way um, without much disruption at this point. And McGriff, he thinks, can be that vertical threat, maybe a little more than the other guys. has great size. He's 6'6". He's up to 240 now. He's a worker, too. I mean, he was there every day in the spring working yep. extra. So I, I the timing is, uh, is interesting, though, because you – Bruns was talking earlier about when do we start thinking about 2019. Well, the staff's going to say it outwardly, but they're making moves here in five games in that are pointed directly toward 2019. You know, there's still not depth at wide receiver, so there's like no, in a way, you'd say, why would you move McGriff now if that was the point to begin with? But why are they doing it? Because they're looking ahead. You know, they get him get him reps at the spot he's going to be in. And he, he wasn't likely to end up at wide receiver either. I mean, he hadn't made enough of a move on that. Yeah, he wasn't going to play. He's, he's a red shirt. So is Legron. They probably need one more year behind the scenes. And if if one of those guys can kind of join those three next year, you've you've got pretty good depth. Well, is there anything we didn't get covered? I think we we talked football. We did talk football. Not a whole lot of spuds talk. No spuds this talk this week. BC, do we? Is it is it too soon to get a socks recap here? With oh. uh, you know where they are relative to to Big Ten teams, Nebraska sock situation. Well, Nebraska sock situation are over the knees at this point. They're yeah. ho- and holy. They're really holy socks. 
Yeah. yeah they're, they're like the holy socks where you ever have it so bad where you just let it go where you're like your big toe like gets through the hole. So that's where point. your socks get the holes in is in the toe? Well, sometimes you let the hole grow. I, I'm going to demonstrate it to you guys. Like, you know, you get it kind of on that ball of your foot is where it starts and it you just keep you're like, ah, yeah, this is fine. And that hole grows to a point where, like, your big toe accidentally, like, slips through it at some point, And you're just like, what am I doing with my life? I mean, that's never happened to me. But I, I have been known to be someone who's too cheap to replace socks with smaller holes in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're still functional. They're still doing what they're supposed to do. Bruns, how do you feel about holes in the socks? I, I never let it get to that point. I, even if it looks a little weak, I'm sending them out to the, out to the trash. Bruns. I've been exposed. It's got a quick quick sock hook yeah really yeah i'm going to the bullpen immediately i've all i've always got that that extra pair of socks warming up well you you believe in the opener <laughs> that's true so it's all about bullpenning with the socks uh any any other teams that you'd like to, what, to discuss what, where they're northwestern with socks yeah northwestern socks yeah. i still think they're your dad's tube socks from the 80s yeah Gritty, with reliable. the stripes, they're yeah. they're dependable. Don't look great in photos. They're Time, timeless, but they're dependable. They're dependable socks, and you would wear them with those like bike shorts, you know, that people used to wear playing softball that go way too high. The coaches' um, shorts, yeah, like with that, a polo sometimes. That's yeah, Northwestern. Yeah. What what's disappeared? This is getting a little bit away from sock talk, but unfortunately, coaches. I think Frost should go back to the to look. Where he would wear those red pants, you know, with just the white polo tucked in. He could actually pull it off because he works out, and it would like he would like kind of make it look decent. But I I would like to see him like go old school, maybe for the throwback game or something. Longtime listener and friend of the podcast, Josh Peterson, notoriously hates the the hoodie. It yeah. looks like a turtleneck. It's not great. How do you, you're not you're not in on it? No, it's like it's choking your neck. It's like the old Mitch Hedberg joke. You feel like you're being choked by a really weak guy. I would think, <laughs> you know, like I I I wouldn't like that at all. Ron Teddy, how do you feel about it? I, I never really... that, that Mitch Hedberg joke oh, really hit it. for him. Look at Mitch this. Um, <laughs> he's wiping tears out of his he's eyes. He's probably like picturing the Hedberg voice saying it. I should have tried my impersonation, but I didn't have the guts. Yeah. You'd have had to hunch in a little bit and look down. Yeah, like look like I'm scared of the crowd in front of me. Yeah. Es- the escalator's out. Sorry for the convenience. <laughs> kind of um, yeah, I don't I don't really have strong thoughts on the hoodie. The the one that always gets me is the hoodie under the football pads. And, and I noticed a lot of guys coming off the practice field today wearing hoodies under the pads. Which I understand, but go with like the I think the ski mask is a better look than, than the uh the hoodie under the helmet. Was it Lane Hovey who yeah. who once he he looked like he had like it was cold that day and his mom told him <laughs> Like, he needed to get, like, a, a longer sleeve shirt. And, like, he stopped at, like, Walmart or Walgreens or something and got, like, remember that one? I do. He's that kid playing YMCA soccer with sweatpants <laughs> exactly on. That's exactly what I was going to say. Sweatpants on under the shorts. It makes me think of being eight years old and playing in Columbus, Nebraska in these cold spring days where you're playing YMCA soccer and half the team has their little black hooded sweatshirt hoods going through the, the back of the... Yep. The red and blue jerseys. So, well, we we really went off track from socks there. So no more sock talk. No, that there. I I feel like you're right on Northwestern. They're they're 
kind of like your dad's tube socks that he's wearing. Underrated, no way. Well, you you kind of look at it like, oh, Dad, what are you doing? But then you realize at some point that's you. Like you're that's and that I've reached that point pretty much. I learned it by watching you, Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this got philosophical. Yeah, it's like getting emotional. Uh, any <laughs> other teams that you, <laughs> any other teams you have strong sock sock takes on? Oh, uh, let's let's think about this. You know, poor. Well, I mean, Nebraska's sock situation's as bad as anybody. Oh yeah. I mean, well, it's it's like it, they Nebraska can't and match, Rutgers, the only two teams without a win in the conference. Yeah, they can't match their socks at all. Like the it's that deal where you and I have this because. I don't do a good job of putting my sock. You know, after you do your laundry, you should stick like a pair of socks together, like they're brothers. You know, and I don't do that. So, so I'll just I'll have to find one sock and then look in the drawer. Because so are you just some sort of like orphanage, and you're just throwing these socks out there I have into a, the world? I have a full bottom without drawer. Really looking into the where they belong. My full bottom drawer is just sock. It, there, there's no rhyme or reason. It's just all socks, and you got to like piece it together. And that's Nebraska football right now. It's that drawer of socks. Mismatched socks. Yeah, and they so they got to find each other. But you're saying there's a, is there a little hope out there that they can connect? I do. I get socks on my feet every day somehow, some way. So Nebraska can do it too. <laughs> that was something. Yeah, I don't have much to report on recruiting wise, so. There, there's not a ton happening. You, do, you talk a little hoops? Moment. We promised hoops talk. Oh, yeah. We did promise hoops talk. Slider, are you okay with that, wherever you're at? Slider used to bark when Bruns yeah. would bring up hoops, so we have to check with him to make sure. We got five minutes of hoop talk, hoops talk. All right, well. Yes. The, five uh, minutes? So the, uh, the Big Ten Media Days, Hoops Media Days, is tomorrow in Chicago. Um, Nebraska. Will you be attending? I will not. Uh, well, why aren't you going out early? I don't know. Got to go to football practice tomorrow. I could have went. Yeah. Um, so James Palmer Jr. picked uh, first team All Big Ten in the unofficial um, straw poll. Straw poll of media members. Uh, Nebraska picked to finish fourth. It, it's it's been interesting to kind of track where all these outlets have Nebraska uh, preseason. I, I think there's a chance that they could be ranked to start the year, and. You know, ESPN's kind of the outlier. Had Nebraska ninth in the Big Ten, which I don't really see how that's the case. But you know, you've got Nebraska, Indiana's up there. What are they in the BPI? The, the BPI? Yeah, the Basketball Power Index. I, I do not know. <laughs> I don't think it exists. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so Michigan State, Michigan, Indiana, Nebraska. I think you probably shuffle those four teams up, and you've got about you know you'd probably feel okay about it, but. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this team plays with expectations. And also, just I mean, last year they struggled so much out of the gates. I think a lot of that was new guys coming together. Copeland was coming off the back injury. Roby still wasn't Roby yet. But uh, w- when you look at the the first you know couple months of the season, you've got Creighton, you've got Seton Hall, uh, a road game at Clemson. You've got an opportunity to, to put together some quality wins. The the Big Ten schedule is going to be tougher this year. So, you know, it, it's going to be real interesting. I, I think when you throw Nebraska's top four players out, you, they stack up pretty favorably against anybody in the conference right now. And, frankly, if they weren't wearing Nebraska uniforms, 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they were picked even a little bit higher in, in the conference. Who's the most important player on that team? Is it Palmer? Well, I, I think Palmer's going to get his. I think it's Roby. And Roby I, over Copeland. I, I think if Roby can stay healthy and if Roby can basically pick up from where he left off last year, get more aggressive offensively, which is what he was told by the NBA scouts that he needed to work on was being more assertive on the offensive end. I mean, I, I think they're going to be pretty a pretty tough out every night. And, I, and, you know, Glenn Watson's the other part of it that, you know, if he can just get back to shooting the way he did his sophomore year, they're going to be so much better uh, th- than what they were a year ago. So, But I, I think Roby's kind of what makes everything go, especially with being a little bit more thin in the front court too. How bizarre is it to you sitting here today a year later if someone would have came to you and said that James Palmer was the most important or was was maybe Nebraska's best player going into this season? They would have said that October of last year because it felt like nobody talked about Palmer for a good month before he kind of had his game against Kansas and everyone's like, oh, this kid's good. Yeah, no, I mean that – and I don't think anybody really knew what to expect from him because he was he was highly rated, highly recruited, and then he goes to Miami, sits the bench, comes off of a redshirt year, and I mean, was every bit of what people thought he was coming out of high school. Um, I'm curious if he can elevate his game even more. I mean, I I don't know, you know, maybe you rebound a little bit more, play a little bit better defense, but offensively, I mean, there's not a ton of holes in his game. I mean, if if he can keep getting to the line. Like he did last year. I mean that that's that's where he makes his money is just salting away games at the end. That's what's scary though is there's a lot of Turan Petaway in that, and then teams defended it a little bit different, and he didn't get to the line as much as a as a junior as he did as a yeah, sophomore. Yeah, but this team has so many options. Right? That, no, it, it, yeah. they're, they're not similar yeah. teams, and I I don't I don't think they're similar. I don't think the outcomes are going to be similar. Right. But it is. It's always concerning to me when you're got to get to the line to kind of put things together. And teams defended him different down the stretch in his play, whether it was because he was worn out or because of the way they were defending him. Palmer wasn't as good in the last five, six games as he was prior to that. Yeah, no, I, and I think part of it was just basically carrying that team yeah. for as long as he did. Um, I'm actually going back through and looking at his last few games. Do you think there's a surprise guy? That I mean, beyond the nucleus, that guy who's that important, like sixth, seventh guy, you there, know, there is. Is it Thomas Allen? It's got to be Thomas Allen. I think Amir Harris, uh, the freshman, yeah. is going to play a lot uh, on the perimeter. There's excitement about him. Yeah. Well, I, I think defensively, he's advanced um, for, from where he should be for his age. He's real long. He's put on about 15 pounds since he's been on campus. And I mean, he he guards Palmer and, and Glenn and those guys every day in practice, so he's getting a pretty good taste of what life is going to be like. And I, I think the the depth thing, Nebraska is not is not as deep as they were a year ago. Um, and I, I think Harris and I think Thomas Allen's got to be better. Um, you know, he he kind of talked a couple of weeks ago at, at Nebraska's media day thing that he'd kind of been humbled. Um, last year as a freshman and at the same time I think you saw in that Kansas game what what his potential is too yeah I, I think that there's a uh, an avenue where Thomas Allen can be a pretty valuable role player for a good team for Nebraska this year this is a kind of a important question so take your time as you think about it with no Jack McVeigh 
Is the bench mob, is it dead? McVeigh's gone. Uh, i trying to think who else would have been part of that. Wasn't uh, Laws? Wasn't he Malcolm Laws? Yeah. Wasn't he part of that? It was a bench mob, right? Isn't that what they went by? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, that was a very divisive topic last year for Nebraska. Were these guys on the bench celebrating too much and preventing themselves from being mentally ready for when they came into games? So now I, I'm very curious when they play Wayne State whether someone's picking up the uh, picking up where they left off. They had some good acts. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically what I'm saying is don't leave us. Yeah. That's fair. Any thoughts on basketball, Brian? Uh, well, I got one, one name I'm interested in, uh, cause when he was recruited, I'll admit, I thought, uh, Brady Hyman. And I did hear somebody a couple months, this is a few months ago that said he could be something over there at some point. I'm not saying this year, but, uh, I heard some encouraging things about him. I, I think he's been a pleasant surprise with He's how put on weight. He has, um. About 15, 20 pounds, I think. Is Which, what he I mean, me. he's like 6'11", 130 pounds. Right. So it's good that he put on the weight. Right. He's wearing, that, wearing a number 45, so you gotta, you got to bulk up a little bit <laughs> yeah. to have that 4'5 on you. Tony, Tony Wilbrand <laughs> is 11. 45, right? Yeah. He should be. When <laughs> yeah. you... Well, it appears that 11's taken, but yeah, that would yeah. be like that would be my number. I'd go with 11. Skin it down, you know. The uh, teammates were pretty complimentary of him and not kind of like the dismissive, like, oh, yeah, you know, he's, he's been good. Yeah, like, he's nice. like, I think Glenn Watson said that he was pretty darn surprised that Hyman was as skilled as he was. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that he's going to be able to, you know, play 25 minutes in the Big Ten by any means, but I think if you had to go to him, he could do some stuff for you offensively. He can, he can shoot it a little. He can shoot the three. Um, he's basically going to be their third center behind Roby and, and Tanner Borkart. So um, the plan is to play him now. And, you know, I, I think he's down the road could be a guy that, that's uh, counted on and, and could give him something in the media. I just think he's an interesting story because in-state basketball recruiting has always been criticized. And What? No, I'm just saying you can talk in-state basketball recruiting too. Oh, yeah, yeah. They picked up another commitment. They did. They did. And here's a guy who... Look at BC setting things up. Yeah, I'm setting the table. Here's a guy, though, who when he committed, I, I think most people are like, oh, okay, that's nice, you know, and didn't have the highest expectations for him. And so it would be something if the, if this guy where it was really an under-the-radar deal where it ended up working out. I mean, that's a long way down the road, but that can set you up to the other topic. Yeah, a coal rope. Uh, yeah. Latest commitment for Nebraska out of uh, Omaha Creighton Prep. Little brother for a Guuka Rope, um, who one time Nebraska commit, then they broke up, and then he went to prep school and now is at San Diego State. Uh, kind of an intriguing guy. I mean, wing player, good wingspan, 36-inch vertical jump. And, you know, Nebraska saw him over the summer, liked how his game had kind of advanced. And, I mean, that, that's the second in-state guy along with Donovan Williams at Lincoln North Star in, in 2020. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. I mean, the, it's happening at the right time for Nebraska that, that basketball has improved, I think, from where it was five, ten years ago in the state because you've got those two guys. You've got a, a couple of guys in 2021 um, who are already high major players. So the, there's an opportunity for, for Nebraska to, to get some kids to stay home. I'm curious to see how those head-to-head battles go. 
uh, with Creighton um, if they actually get involved with the same kid. But well, I don't know if Bill Moose is willing to put up as much money <laughs> per player, and if Nebraska has the jobs available. But it'll be an interesting discussion. I'm sure it'll have. I'm sure. Play out in court. I'm sure. Alleged. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Nothing's nothing's final. Just saying. I mean, the guy said it under oath in court. That counts for something, right? Yes. I have one last basketball question. Do they make the NCAA tournament? You have to know right now. Yes. Wow. Look at that. You guys are going to be covering a tournament game. I don't know if I will, but I'll. Yeah, you're, you got to go. I will. I will say yes. They are in the tournament. What seed? Call it. Call it. He's torn. He's scared. Here. He doesn't want to do it. He wants to, to say a six seed. Uh, I was gonna say like a ten. I I'm I'm saying a six seed. Yeah, I I, I have him with a win over the eleven too already. I don't know who the eleven is, but you like him over that eleven. Yeah. It'll be a Dayton team that they play, and they'll, you know, I have them eleven. Will be scared. I'll say eleven in the play-in game, and they win. Oh, you know, and then it can, and then they lose the play-in game. Then they lose the second round, second quote round. No, they changed that. Oh, they're calling it the first round yeah. now. So they're it's, they're it's, just, it's back to being the the original first round. They're just saying it's a play-in the game. Play-in game. So you're yeah. so what you're saying is we're essentially left with an ongoing debate about whether or not Nebraska's so it wouldn't count as a counts. tournament win. Well, that's the that would be the debate at what that it, time. But I, my hope is that they avoid that entirely, so we don't have to have. You that. wouldn't like that topic in this state. It's an annoying topic. I I I I could see him being around there though. I think in that ten eleven seed right? Yeah, I, that, I I would say eleven. All right. Well, is there anything left to cover? Do we want to get into baseball? Red white scrimmage? It hasn't happened yet. Well, yeah, you can preview it. Eh, I'm good. We're already <laughs> over an hour. We're running long these days for a team that is uh, short on wins. Yeah. Which is what was all that Evanston talk and sock talk? And yep. we know how to fill a segment. <laughs> segment fillers. All right. Well, uh, we also know how to fill up the web pages. And you can check that out at husker247.com, where we have all of the content, whether it's in state basketball commitments, whether it's recruiting stuff, whether it is team stuff. Mondays with Scott Frost or throughout the week when the other coaches and players stop and talk. There's plenty of great things at Husker 24-7. So we can bloviate just as well in print as we do on the air. And as always, you can catch the show every Wednesday, and we'll see you next week.